Hello, I'm C. Stephen Ellis, novelist, and this is my podcast, The Writer's Mind. Here we will discuss all aspects that relate to the craft, business, and creative side of writing. For more information or a transcript of this podcast, please go to my website, www.cstephenellis.com, and that's Stephen with a V. So focus your ears because it's time to step inside the writer's mind. Hi, this is C. Stephen Ellis, and welcome to The Writer's Mind. This is episode number five of my podcast, which means I've been doing this for 10 weeks since I publish them every other week. In the coming months, maybe I can increase it to every week, but I'll have to see. Today, visiting with us is Chris Chamberlain and his partner, Marie Rose. As you may recall, Marie was a guest on this podcast two episodes ago, talking about her career as a screenwriter and as a movie producer. Well, she also records and produces audiobooks. Seriously, I mean, is there anything she doesn't do? Uh, Chris is a terrific engineer as well as an excellent voice actor. And Marie also lends her vocal talents to the books they produce. So if you are interested in turning your book into an audiobook, you really want to listen to this podcast. Okay, uh, in personal news, I have completed my Kindle giveaway. The purpose of the giveaway was to increase the number of people who have signed up to my mailing list. This I did, but the numbers were not what I was hoping for. And perhaps I had unfair expectations. I raffled off a Kindle Paperwhite e-reader, and I did so using Facebook ads for over a period of a month. Most of the Facebook ads ran over the weekend because, according to the statistics, Facebook kicked back to me. This was the most when people were, this was a time that people were more responsive to the ads. Now, the thing is, I thought I was going to get hundreds of new names, and I think the difference, the reason that there was such a difference between reality and my expectation is my inexperience with Facebook ads. When you place an ad on Facebook, you're given the option to choose the amount of money you want to pay for the ad to run on a daily basis. The minimum amount is $5 a day. And this is good to test ads because $5 isn't anything and you get to see what kind of response you're getting from your ads. So when you finally find an ad that is working, you can increase the amount that you pay for it to run. And ideally, the ad should reach more people and you will get a larger response. So when I finally found an ad that was working, I went from $5 a day to $20 a day, thinking that over the course of a weekend, I would spend $60. But you don't really spend all of that money because you are only charged for the clicks you get on the ad. So if your ad is not performing, even though you pay $20 a day, you're only going to be charged a fraction of that. Now, it took me two and a half weeks to find an ad that worked, and then I only raised the amount, as I said before, to $20 a day. Perhaps, and honestly, I don't know if this is true or not, but perhaps if I had raised it to $100, 
I would have gotten closer to the response I was hoping for. I really don't know. But the bottom line was that for the four weeks that I ran the ad, and for a total cost of $120, I got 60 new names for my mailing list. So good, bad, I don't know. But I've got 60 names, and I'm happy to have them. Uh, in other th uh, news, personal news, um, the oh, I completed my face my my Facebook. I completed my book trailer. So this is something that's kind of interesting because the writers in the community are kind of split on whether or not a book trailer will be any help in increasing sales. I uh, I'm keeping my expectations low on this this time. Uh, I do have to tell you, though, my background is in the film industry, and on days when we edited, we had a great time, and I had a great time making and editing this book trailer. If you want to know the specifics of the software I used or how I did anything else, please email me at cellis at cstevenellis.com, and that's Stephen with a V. Also, if you want to see my new trailer, go to my YouTube channel, which is just C. Stephen Ellis. Okay, let's move on and hear what Chris and Marie have to say about the business of audiobooks. Hi, today the Writer's Mind is welcoming Chris Chamberlain and Marie Rose, uh, both of Chamberlain Rose Productions, and they are audiobook producers, actors, designers. I don't know what else they do. I think they build booths. They are uh, pretty much the whole thing. So Chris, welcome. Marie, welcome. Good to see you Thank guys. You. Nice to see you. So audiobooks. I mean, this is really where the future is, isn't it? I mean, everything I've been reading talks about how it's been a better year for audiobooks than the year before. And next year they're producing or they're predicting rather that there's going to be a huge, uh, you know, rise in audiobook sales. So how does, I mean, you guys must be happier than that. How did you get into audiobooks? I mean, from, you know, Chris, I know you were in the Marines. I mean, how does one going from being a Marine into audiobooks? Well, um, Ashley Marie got me started in this, uh, you know, on a lark. Um, <clears throat> she uh, had invited me to try to help her finish a project that uh, went south uh, in a studio in Burbank. And um, I didn't know anything about audiobook production or um, really uh, how to put the nuts and bolts of, um, of a, a project together. Uh, so really a baptism by fire is the quick answer. Really? Do you consider yourself kind of a do-it-yourself kind of guy? You know, I, 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 guess, um, I guess I would consider myself a bit uh, mechanically able and uh, a bit of a go-getter. Yeah. Uh, I'd certainly, uh, you know, doing a four-year tour uh, in, the, um, in the military uh, might spark an idea or two. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, how do you go from being in the, in the Marine Corps to being an actor? Um, actually, you know, there's been a number of uh, well-known celebrities that have started off in the military and who became, uh, you know, big names. Uh, certainly Elvis Presley is probably the most uh, uh, thought of uh, figure when it comes to that. Well, thank you very much. Sorry, I couldn't resist. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's just good. me. Yeah. Sorry. So, all right. Well, um, some of my I got I got tons of questions for you guys. Let's talk about auto audiobooks. Uh, first off, uh, what have you guys seen? How long have you been doing this? And what have you seen in the time 
that you started doing it. Hey, Craig, we're having a tech issue here. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's pausing because of our, our link. Um, we're seeing a pause on screen. Are you, is our video staying clear for you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me okay. just resume that. Um, so to your question, basically, um, I've been doing audiobooks since, well, I've been doing commercial voiceovers for a long time. Audiobooks are basically a marathon read. Uh, you know, it's like a commercial. You go into the studio, you, you know, you'll be booth directed to do maybe a 30 to 60 second uh, spot. Um, that's pretty easy uh, in terms of your time investment. Audiobooks can take 77 man hours to produce, depending on the length of the, um, of the, of the source material. And when you have two narrators, as we do, it's even more complicated because you have to layer in all those characters, two different artists, and it can get really complex and crazy. When you guys started, did you start with two characters? No. No, initially I was offered an audiobook. Uh, my first audiobook was Somebody Tell Aunt Tilly She's Dead by Christiana Miller. And it's available now. Oh, wow. And it was, a, a, it was a very long book. I initially hired somebody else to um, engineer and, and booth direct. And we had a, a, a parting of the ways. And the book wasn't quite done. And we're on deadline because ACX, which is Audible's, you know, uh, production arm expects you to meet the deadline. We were able to get it done thanks to Chris, who reverse engineered it, figured it out, and uh, and was able to uh, help me finish the book and deliver. Um, and then after that, we found that the dual narration, male female reads, are, are just were growing in popularity. Chris has been on you know 200, 300 sets before he 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 can act, and he already had you know, the natural ability and a great speaking voice, in my opinion. So we, we went ahead and, and uh, started reaching, it was Chris's idea, like I think a couple Christmases ago, to start reaching out to authors and get uh, some interest in a dual narration. And boy, they love it. Just so far, authors really like it. And so, so the I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, okay. uh, Chris, what? I know that you talk about, uh, you know, you being a do-it-yourself kind of guy. And I'm I'm pretty sure you didn't really, you know, go and study um, audio engineering or anything like that. I mean, how did you get the knowledge that you needed to to pull all this off? You know, in an earlier life, in my 20s and 30s, um, I actually uh, uh, pursued music. That was my uh, primary passion. So I had tons of experience I never knew that. setting up studios uh, in Los Angeles, um, gigging. Uh, <coughs> writing music, uh, I can say uh, I probably had my studio has incarnated at least a dozen times over the years. Uh, not only in Los Angeles, but up in the Bay Area where I lived for years. Um, so, uh, uh, so many years ago, I started with the, the idea that I could write a hit song, and I'm still trying to do that too. <laughs> but you know, if you spend uh, a, a good amount of time. Um, with like-minded folks and you buy a lot of gear and, uh, you know, you immerse yourself in a studio environment, um, you, uh, you'll start to understand, you know, what, uh, what mics work and uh, what gear works. Um, as a matter of fact, when we met, we didn't even know that we were capable of doing what we were doing, but I found out he happened to have a brand new, uh, microphone that was the perfect kind of microphone that's in our booth now is, is that a dating thing you know hey uh 
I just want you to know, I think you're cute. I've got a microphone, no pun intended. (laughs) And it just worked out that he knew he also uh, has a background in construction and knew how to build the booth. So I think that it was just sort of meant to be. We And I had the acting ability and understanding uh, the entertainment industry from my background um, because I have a master's in theater and I, you know, have, have had a, a background in commercials, voiceovers, that when we found out about audiobooks, we jumped on it. Okay. Well, let me ask you this then, you know, uh, the world is changing, uh, but when I take a look at a lot of the books on Audible, I still see that they're produced by, like, the big five publishers. Um, is that changing at all? Have you seen that change, or is there a direction? Do you think the pendulum is swinging one way or the other? Um, no, there's always going to be independent authors. The democratization of writing online through Amazon's you know, independent writers has really boomed um, and the publishers, that the content is, the audiences are voracious for content. And the big five publishers couldn't possibly put out enough books per year, audiobooks or otherwise, to satisfy the content hunger out there. So um, I think what we're seeing is you're seeing just an amazing amount of material. And on the ACX website, which is where we primarily deal on for Audible, um, those are typically independent authors. Um, but I, I like working with independent authors, not that we're closed off to working with publishers because we're certainly going to pursue that too. But we've been so busy with the independent authors, we haven't had a chance yet. Well, you know, go ahead, Chris. One, one thing to, to, just to add to that is uh, it, um, <clears throat> part of the uh, uh, promise of having both of us do this would be uh, additional interest um, that audiobook listeners might have in, in, you know, hearing a live, a real male doing male uh, roles and a real female doing it. Um, and we hadn't heard, a, when we first started this, we had not heard of a lot of that yet. Uh, this is a bit of a novel idea. Um, you know, I liken it now, you know, a couple of years later, we've done uh, eight books, uh, is the difference between black and white TV and the color TV experience. You know, you don't want, you don't want to go back to black and white when, when you've done, done color. Well, unfortunately, I do remember that. But um, <laughs> I, I like to say that I was very, very, very young. And um, I do remember my dad's excitement when he came home with that RCA Victor color t- TV. And I remember my parents would just tune into the peacock, you know, spreading its feathers. Right. That was, and that was the, you know, that was like, wow, you know, the world has changed. So I'm sorry. Back to audiobooks. Forget about my, my, my past. Back to audiobooks. So um, one of the questions that I have then is, you know, in terms of independence, you know, somebody is not published by one of the big five. Somebody's doing it themselves. Somebody's got an ebook. They've got uh, gone through Create Space. They've got a novel. And they say, you know, I think I would like to make an audiobook. What do they have to do? I mean, how do they even get started? And, and before you say the ACX word, are there other avenues besides ACX? There are, but we're more familiar with ACX. So okay. you can certainly go to read, you know, read a book or, you know, read. There's, there's all kinds of uh, smaller ones, but ACX just happens to be the bigger swimming pool as far as the in- independent published world goes for audiobooks. And so... Um, you can certainly Google around and find out, but the larger distributor and is 
is ACX, and they are the technical arm of Audible, which was acquired by Amazon. So <clears throat> basically, uh, the first thing an author would want to do is please proofread your material really carefully first and lock your, you know, make, make sure you invest in proofreaders. We come, come across some very interesting typos <laughs> that slows down production. And, um, well, even more than typos, we, we found uh, in, uh, in a recent work um, an issue with um, structure. So, uh, well, yeah, there, there was maybe a plot gap or something. And um, so, so make sure you've written a, the tightest version of your story that you can. Um, then go to www.acx.com, the ACX word, and um, you can claim your title if it's on Amazon. It's very easy to just type in your title. You see it, you claim it. And then, and you create your own little, uh, your, your rights holder account is what you will do. <clears throat> and then uh, you start searching for, uh, you know, know what you want. Do you want dual narration? Do you want a male? Do you want a female? Do you want somebody who can uh, do Cajun accents or can what standard American do? Or does it have to be a British accent? And you can filter your search for um, producers based on your criteria. So uh, the producer narrator handles everything. You've already written the book. All you have to do is basically sign the agreement <clears throat> that ACX provides when you find your producer, make your offer. Um, and they either accept or they pass, depending. And then from there, you as the rights holder get to sit back and just listen to and approve chapter by chapter as they put your book up on a, on a dashboard that only the two of you can see until you're both ready to hit the I'm done button then ACX will do their quality assurance. They'll make sure it hits all the <clears throat> peaks and valleys uh, that it's supposed to for technical assurance. And then it goes live retail, and then you better be ready to promote, promote, promote. So we, in terms of, um, uh, you know, taking your book, uh, claiming the book, do you... Are you, do you guys, are you guys producers? Are you talent? Are you both? We're both. So if I, do I see a list of producers that I can choose from <laughs> and, and then say, okay, well, with these producers, they also happen to come with their own voice talent or are there producers who don't come with voice talent as well? And we'll go about and help you find that voice talent if, if uh, you're looking for it, especially we, if you don't know what you're looking for. We happen to believe that we're all you're going to need, but as far no, as... Of course. But, um, but there are uh, producer narrators who also will farm out, <clears throat> you know, a role here or there to make it more of a multi-cast book. Um, and they basically have talent that they know and can draw from. Or they'll put it out on, on a Facebook group for narrators. Hey, I'm looking for a male who can do a Slovenian accent. It's $100 per finished hour for your role. You know, submit your sample. So... Um... The cost, I would imagine, um, you know, is multiplied by the number of actors you have, right? I mean, it's not if I, you know, I'm a poor uh, independent writer struggling to get my book out, you know, I don't really have enough money to pay for two actors or one actor is there. Do you guys do kind of, you know, a two for one deal or anything like that? Or how does that work? We can do hybrid deals. Um, it it's it's basically <clears throat> a hybrid deal is a royalty share. Uh, you know, we split the, the rights holders royalty share 50 50. Um, basically, ACX takes 60% of your book. Wow. For, 
the audible rights. <clears throat> and um, I'm sorry, I have a little frog in my throat. And uh, the um, the rights holder gets the remaining 40% that he then has to either split with the talent 50-50, so each gets 20% of the book royalty for seven years, because that's how long the agreement lasts. And then on top of that, <clears throat> usually to entice the better producer narrators, you have to add uh, a per finished hour rate, like $100, $200, depending on what it is. Or, or more. Or more. Or more. Yeah, it's hot, top talent is probably 300 to 400 per finished hour. Right. Yeah. And a per finished hour means the final hours of retail read according to Audible. So it's like if, if your book took 77 hours to make, we don't charge $77 per hour. I mean, seven, seven, you know, we don't charge $100 per 77 hours. We charge, let's say it's a nine-hour finished read. It would be nine times uh, 100 or right. whatever time, it is. Times the length in minutes of the actual work. The amount of time you took to make it is, is totally irrelevant. Right. Yeah, if you took seven times too long, that's your problem. You, the <clears throat> product is measured by the actual um, length of the chapters. And the other, um, you know, just the time time code according to to yeah. Audible or ACX. That that includes the opening and closing credits, acknowledgments, and preface, and any, any other chapters that you might have. Right. So uh, that's usually how it happens, and I have to tell. Usually, I, I show authors, boy, whatever you think you made as an independent author on Amazon, it's so much more lucrative. I've made so much more money on uh, Audible than I ever did on Amazon as a, as a writer myself. Really? <clears throat> oh, yes. And uh, quite, quite, quite a bit more, uh, depending on the book. Now, I, we've had books do, some books perform better than others, depending on the genre. I think, uh, see, you happen to write in a very popular genre. Yeah. So you, actually, I think yours is the number one favorite genre among audiobook listeners, <clears throat> mystery, suspense, thriller. No, so, I'm feeling terrible. I haven't done my audio book yet. Yeah, you knew. So, <laughs> you need to think you about need that. You need to do it. Um, and I, and, I, and I, my my prediction on on record here is I think I think your um, your two books will do really well. Yeah, we've read them. We like a lot them. of a lot We're of fans. you you write Thank about you. what what people like. And plus, you'll find that audiobook drives your physical and your ebook sales too because of something called WhisperSync that Amazon does, which um, basically tie, bundles the two books together so that in their technology, if you buy the ebook, you can add an audiobook for a nominal cost, not as much as you would buy it outright on Audible. <clears throat> you don't have, um, the way you can control your pricing on Amazon, you don't have that with Audible. Audible decides your pricing dependent on the length of the listen. And, um, but so basically what happens is people buy your ebook, they have the option to add on the audiobook at a nominal rate, and then they can switch off listening and reading through the WhisperSync device or technology, and it remembers your place. So you're reading at work on lunchtime and you want to listen to the rest of it on the way home in your car, you just listen to it in your car and it remembers where you left off, and you can switch that. And that's been a very popular feature. So people will buy to get the you know, Audible book a little bit more cost-effectively, they'll buy your ebook, bundle the two together, and have a great experience. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's... So that, that helps drive sales a lot. So you think, though, that, I mean, you know, there's still going to be a minimum cost associated with it. I don't know. Probably 
you know, especially if you if you find somebody who's willing to do a 50-50 deal and, you know, somebody says, you know what, I want to do the audiobook, but I don't necessarily think I'm going to get rich doing it, but I want to use it as a marketing tool like you suggested. Um, so, but you're still looking at, you know, 900 to 1500 dollars to get this done it depends on how long if it's a full-length novel it could be eight to i think yeah eight to nineteen hundred depending um but i gotta tell you if you're not willing to invest if, an, if a rights holder isn't willing to invest in their career that much for for what is potentially tens of thousands of dollars right got the right genre and you market it even a bit um <clears throat> then then we're not quite sure what to say to that rights holder because oh, we're we're investing quite a lot of time in that. Well, I could answer your basic question, just so uh, listeners uh, understand what we're talking about here, is the notion of production costs. So there's basically two models. One, where a stipend is prepended to the offer. And that used to occur um, with ACA. Anyways, go ahead, Chris. To, re to resume. So we... Uh, we're talking basically in, in terms of production costs, there's, there has been... Um, Two modes. Why are we skipping out? We need to go Ethernet next time. Okay. Um, two two modes of of um, uh, of payment. Uh, one is the uh, one where a stipend gets prepended to the contract, and then one without, where it's just the rights holder, which is basically another a fancy word for author. The author and the narrator share in the proceeds. So. That's called royalty sharing. Okay. And if you go with, with, on the ACX platform, it's 50-50. Of the author's side of the royalty. Got it. Okay. Right. <clears throat> ACX takes their 60% cut, and author and narrator take an equal split of the remainder. And okay. Now, with, with, the, with the stipend, or what is also known as per finished hour, that's where the author actually pays, or ACX pays, would pay a um, basically write you a check in advance for the um, against uh, future sales. So, so a I'm sorry, ACX would write you guys, the producers, a check against uh, future sales. Well, here, here's the thing. Well, <clears throat> a few. Let, let me go ahead and grab this one. Basically, a few um, and and fewer and fewer these days books. Uh, Amazon has has these amazing algorithms who can, that can apparently tell what the sales of a book is and if it's likely to really pay out well as an audiobook. So when you put your book up, you never know if you're going to get a stipend or not. You have to wait a couple of weeks and see if the algorithm decides your book is worthy. <clears throat> In which case, ACX will put a little banner on on your cover uh, for for narrator producers to search and say stipend. That means that they, that ACX will, out of their pocket, pay a hundred dollars per finished hour to the narrator uh, and the narrator producer on, on top of on top of royalty sales. share on top of royalty share. Right now, those deals are going. By the way, we're we're not seeing as many yeah. of those, and now authors are having to pay the per finished hour in order to it, keep. Now some, I understand. Some authors who have a certain level of success can uh, can make these kinds of offers if they want to some authors not all not all okay no it just depends on if you want to get um the, but there, the quality but the, the thing is, after you do this for a while you begin to see that the 
entry level people that are that only require a hundred dollars per hour uh, per finished hour. Yeah, are not the, in the same. Are, they're just not in the same league as somebody uh, who's well known, um, or who's even a, a Hollywood actor who's well known, um, who wants three to four hundred per hour. There's there's a reason why things are cheap. Okay. Anything you get for free costs too much. In other words, right. So you can uh, accidentally, I mean, your, your book can get kicked back from Audible. ACX might reject it if it's not done correctly to their specification, to their technical specs. Um, there's a lot of things that the producer narrator does, has to be able to do, um, including having the right equipment and the talent and the technical ability uh, to edit and to master and to EQ. All of these things that you have to be able to do in order to deliver the book. So can you tell me a little bit about those technical specs? I mean, what is it that they require that, you know, stops somebody from, you know, trying to do this at home, but, you know, just talking into their laptop? Math. <laughs> That's my short answer, but Chris can tell you a better one. Well, what Marie's referring to by the word mass, she's, she's saying, you know, mass is a good way to block sound. Oh, I was saying math, M-A-T-H. Oh, math, okay. Because you've got to figure I... out all of those decibels and things like that. <laughs> I thought you'd been math. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there's a technical requirement from a, a sound standpoint? There's, there must be there's... a background or a hollowness or, you know, people... a few things. It's not, this is no heavy math here. There's no, your, your peaks can't be too high. Your lows can't be too low. Your average energy of the signal coming through has to be around a certain number and you can't be too noisy if you can those four things if you can get those through then you're going to be fine and the way that we have found uh, to, um, <coughs> to to create a, a constant kind of um, uh, work is to uh, not vary any of the variables once you set everything up in a template we have basically you'll have some kind of digital audio workstation now, whether that's Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro, um, Reaper, Audacity, uh, Pro, Audition, Tools, Pro Tools, yeah. whichever, whichever version um, is, you'll <clears throat> eventually, if you're doing a lot of this, you're going to want to say, you know, we're going to use the same template. Our mouth to mic distance is going to more or less be the same. We're going to record in the same environment uh, environment booth room whatever it is at least don't change that uh, in the middle of your book and rights holders be ask ask your prospective producers do you have your own equipment what is it what what is do you have a booth where do you record because right. we have seen some people trying to do this on their iPhones they're recording and trying to send it yeah. and you don't want to get stuck yeah. with that yeah, so, you don't so yeah. ask questions. You, they, they, they should be able to reasonably right. show right. proficiency. And, you know, the narrator pages really are a good place for, for you, the author, to uh, become familiar not only with their sound samples, but they should be hopefully listing their equipment. Because um, the truth is that um, just like with, um, uh, you know, the top-of-the-line chefing tools uh, that you're very familiar with, you're going to get better results. As I learned... Uh, the hard way the other day when I tried to make myself a little meal, um, using a cheap pan um, will burn your food. So having an investment in a $1,000, $3,000 mic, it's there's a reason why those things cost more. They just sound better. Um, but I think in the end, once you um, 
you get a template going, uh, you standardize your workflow, you set up uh, what's called gain staging, where you figure out what levels um, the mic needs to be, the signal level coming into the digital audio workstation. Um, and then uh, when you bring all those different characters together, you need an output that um, leaves it so that the listener can clearly hear every character um, and that there's no jarring moments in the story uh, where they might want to, you know, get in a car crash, uh, where somebody can get in a car crash because they had to turn the sound down quickly. Uh, you definitely want to stay very far away from moments like that. Um, and we found the easiest way to do that is to um, use a template. Um, and we uh, work the same uh, way in our booth. Um, our mouth-to-mic distances don't change. Uh, our relative energy levels, we know about what we need to do. Um, and um, the uh, final output uh, we have set with a <clears throat> what's called a channel strip. And the channel strip settings include uh, adaptive limiting, EQ, compression, and some other goodies. Um, and then we also use a, a final output um, plug-in which tells us that our signal is below uh, the hottest level that ACX and, and other uh, vendors allow. So and ACX you don't want to be bouncing above uh, minus 18 dB. Got it. And this yeah. is all stuff that most rights holders, even though it's easy for Chris, not so much for me, most rights holders don't want to monkey with all of that or have to know all of that. Or, right. and, and believe me, rough chopping a bunch of bad takes that just to find the one good take, time it's time intensive. It can be yeah. laborious. Um, so that's that's a great reason to hire out. Also, um, if you go to the ACX you know search field, you can listen to samples to try to hear you know what kind of narrator. Sometimes it's like finding a needle in a haystack. So um, you do have to put in some effort to search for the right voice. Most authors have a very specific idea of who their characters are. And they're on a hunt to, to cast it. It's To them, it's almost the movie version of their book. So they're really trying to... to um, and you also want to find people who know what they're doing and, and are easy to work with, too, or willing to collaborate creatively. So I, um, I think that some of the... I mean, I had several thoughts. Uh, first of all, uh, when it comes to choosing somebody, I would think you'd have to be doubly careful, especially if you're an author who has a series because you want to be fairly consistent throughout your series. So the person you pick is somebody who's going to be with you for more than one book if you've got a series. Um, the other thing I was, does ACX, do they get, in, get into um, editorial at all? I mean, do they come back and say, you know, you guys were a little over the top or no, you guys were too subdued or anything like that? No, no, no more than they actually read your book before they put it up on Amazon. They don't, do that, they? That uh, makes perfect so sense. All they do is check it for technical specification. They stay out of the creative completely. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, now, the author, on the other hand, needs to be able to work creatively and, and vice versa. The narrator, producer, and the rights holder need to be able to be on the same page about the direction um, some some rights holders are very generous about that, we've found. Um, they really give us license to do stuff that even they hadn't thought of with their characters. But at the same time, if they have, hey, well, why, this character, Karen, she doesn't go that direction. She goes this direction. Oh, okay, now we understand. We, we solve a lot of that with a character breakdown sheet at the top of the process. We ask the rights holder to 
you know, list the character, who they are in, in the story, relationship, um, a YouTube video to a, uh, an inspirational voice, like a, a celebrity voice that they imagine, not that we do imitations, but it, it's good inspiration. And and they and the rights holder will tell us the tone that she wants each character to have, and that's very helpful. The communication process is really important. So uh, you don't have to have the rights holder in the same room, right? This can you can have somebody from Schenectady, you know, Literally. just talking with you guys because we live in yep. a global society. So you know, I've only I've only met in face to face one of our rights holders. Everybody else is, lives across the country. How'd that go? It went well. Oh, okay. Good book. It was very well reviewed, and we've sold tons and tons of copies. So. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay, so um, let's talk about the fact that we're not longer doing, or it's no longer in vogue, I guess, to do the single <laughs> narration. You know, have a man reading both men and women, or vice versa for a woman. Although I'm trying to remember, I listened to Girl on a Train. And I know they had several women doing them. Did they have men doing the men's parts on that as well? I can't remember. I actually own that audiobook, but I haven't listened to it yet. Okay. So, um, but that's a big publisher that could afford, you know, in a big title, <clears throat> they could afford to do a multicast. Um, yeah, it, and also, uh, I, I would like to um, probably uh, just state my own opinion about things. Um, of course. Not to that's been said, but I'm not sure that the single narrator has fallen out of vogue. I still think there's plenty of people out there, both on the production end on, and on the uh, creative end, authors and narrators who do feel that um, that's still an absolutely valid um, art form. Um, and uh, I don't think we're going to, to see um, the demise of black and white TV in a color TV world for a long, long time yet. Um, because as we found out, there are there's still a, a an audience, a core audience out there that doesn't necessarily need um, <clears throat> the higher level of um, interest that multiple um, narrators brings. There are different They're, tastes, you know, purists. Yeah. Uh, much the same way that you have purists now who um, still like listening to symphonic orchestra played on an old turntable. Right, of course. Well, so but very very well some people some people but that, those are straight very straight pure narrators they don't try to act the book necessarily <clears throat> they'll do a slight tone or attitude shift but they won't really try to do voices or character voices we tend to really delineate our characters more into the, that we're acting it and performing it and a lot of our reviews say it's like listening to you know a movie or a, a live or, or one of the old radio program radio dramas or things like that do you put in sound effects we have for one of our books. We tried it out, and we got some people love it. Some people just don't find it just too distracting. So it's just a, it's a personal preference. It takes a lot longer to put in the sound effects, though. No, oh, I bet. I mean, that's it's a whole foley setup that you have to do. Yeah. Um, all right. So then, um, the fact is now that I've I've noticed that the books that are being released are having multiple narrators. Uh, I mean, it, I. To me, it feels like it's gone to the ridiculous with the George Saunders book, Lincoln. I think there's 166 narrators in that book, something like that. Each, I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, 
I don't even know how they expect to make their money back on that because you have to pay 166 actors and that's worse than, um, than gone with the wind practically, you know, I, but I do notice that it's a lot. Do you look at the material and say, you know, you know, and go to the rights holder and say, you know, this, this kind of lends itself to uh, a male, female voice. Uh, do you see that at all? Or is that something you discussed beforehand or how does well, that, how does it evolve? Sometimes a, a rights holder will approach one of us on ACX, not knowing that we are a dual team. Um, and they'll, they'll say, oh, we like your voice. Would you be interested? And they don't even know that it's possible to get two for the price of one, basically. Right. Um, and so we pitch, we say, you know, actually, when we give them our pitch, this is what you could have instead. This is what we need. It's not unreasonable, by the way. And most people are like, wow, yeah, especially when they hear some samples of what it sounds like. Um, to to have that uh, back and forth between two people versus one person answering in different voices themselves. So, okay, uh, so no, but once they find out, they get hooked. What? So I'm I'm Joe Independent, and I'm not. I'm C Independent, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I've I've come to you and I've said I need you guys to do it. You guys do a book. Of course, it's brilliant. How do I market it? How do I get it out there so that people and let people know that it's even available to get? There's a few things you can do. And one thing ACX, and I hope they never end this program, they, they do something called gift codes. And the author and the narrator side, they you, we each get, when a book is finished and, and out in retail, we each get 25 um, audible gift codes so that you can go out and uh, and gift the book to people who are interested in reviewing in exchange for their honest review. Got it. And when you run out of those codes, guess what? You can ask for another 25. And so far, knock wood, they, they've always done it. Um, it's a good idea not to give those out to your friends and your family, and I'll tell you why. Friends and family, for some reason, as much as they love us and want to support us, they're the worst people at getting around to listening to your book and putting in a review. Um, and God bless them. But I actually, but you really want people who want who love your genre and who actively seek out your genre because they're going to give you the, the most honest, excited review versus, you know, a loved one um, who may or may not get around to it. They see it more as a chore or as a favor versus something they want to do. So the other thing you can do is there's something called Audio Book Boom Dot com, And that's a great email list. If you know what a BookBub is, it's like BookBub for <clears throat> audiobooks. And it's a very well-cultivated, curated um, list. And people sign up for your genre. And they know that they get their newsletter every week. They can open it up and, just, and, and type in their request for whichever book they want to get a free copy of in exchange for a review. And that has gotten us quite a number of great reviews. There's also something called autovox.com, which is, again, like a, like a fussy librarian newsletter for Audible. Um, a audio. fussy librarian newsletter? What, what's that? Yeah, a well, fussy librarian is uh, is another way to – is it's like another one of those promo e e email lists like BookBub. Oh, okay. So there's a million of those. BookBub, you know, Pixel of Ink, you know, there's a bunch of those. <clears throat> so if you – and then you got to get on – your social media, tweet it out, join Triber, uh, because Triber will boost your tweets. 
and you start following people in the audiobook realm. They follow you back. Listeners start finding you on your Facebook page and etc. And we have growing fans. We now have a following of people who now say we want we want to, we want to listen to all of your books. So you know, and that, so the narrator, producer, and the rights holder can share the the burden. So long as there's royalty share involved, <clears throat> a lot of narrators won't really promote that much if they don't if they're not getting royalty share of this every sale. Wow, so I a uh, couple of cents too. Um, although I, Marie uh, handles the vast majority of promotion tasks for Chamberlain Rose Productions, um, I have my own personal perspectives about uh, what I find attractive in uh, wanting to buy somebody's book or even the thought of maybe one day having other artists uh, narrate my um, sci-fi. Um, and comedy uh, novels, which are forthcoming. And that is uh, the professional aspect. Um, I look for, even if you don't have much money from, from wherever you are in the spectrum, if, you're, if you just started or if you've been at it for a while, uh, is the idea that with whatever you have, you are professional. If you do graphic arts, you do top-notch work. If you do voicing, you do top-notch work. If you're um, somebody who's only doing promotion, um, then I know I can... Um, count on you to deliver uh, with whatever um, hat you wear. And we've, <clears throat> we've actually found some people um, online as well as made new friends who um, are very good at one thing. And uh, I think that's uh, ultimately what can help you in figuring out a, a path because professionalizing um, everything you do is the key to uh, your emergence as a new artist or a new writer. Um, and insisting on top quality uh, promotion is um, a function of finding that talent. Yeah, I, I, one of the things we look for in an author is what, how many Twitter followers do you have? How many uh, Facebook likes do you have? Right. Who's your tribe? You know, who who follows you? Yeah. And when we get, I had somebody once tell me that they didn't think their book needed any promotion; it was doing just fine. And I was like, what? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I want to, you know, right. really invest all. How, how is John Grisham? I know. Right. right. Um, I a... And they weren't John Grisham. Yeah. So, um, so it's just as important that the author ask, and we've had authors ask ask us who do promote themselves. They say, "Do you help in promoting?" We're like, "Oh yes, oh, yeah. this represents <clears throat> tens Absolutely. of thousands of dollars over a seven year yeah. period. We, you if bet. we take you on, we 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 we're throw gonna, ourselves behind. We're going to talk about you. We're going to talk up your name." On the other end of the spectrum, though, um, is as a narrator, I've had people uh, send me emails of interest saying, you know, I like your voice samples. Would you be interested in doing my work? And then we find out how unprofessional they are. They have no likes. They have no Twitter account, no Facebook. Um, no reviews. No, no reviews ranking. anywhere. <laughs> nothing on Amazon. So, And I, then and then you look at their book and they're usually very... The writing, you know, the, the no no proof the, the grammar's not great or something and we've had to pass nicely on those kinds of things because not worth our time we put a lot of hours in the booth and and in editing and, and the, the post-production to to have a book n not get all the promo love it it deserves after i would imagine you can also cross promote in terms of you know we there do. are amazon giveaways for your book and then people will click on the page and as long as they see the amazon page they'll see that there's also an audio book available. And so I'm sure that there's, you know, there's some people, some potential buyers, right, who just click and go, oh, look, it's an audio book too. Well, and what I also do is when I do my Amazon giveaways, you can also direct them to do something for you. Like you have to like, a tw you like my Twitter 
or you can direct them to YouTube to watch your book trailer. And the book trailer, and we do audible book trailers as well as regular book trailers. And then, then they're, you know, if you've done your book trailer well, they're hooked. And then we've, we've, we're finding sales connected to that. Oh, so that's we, interesting too. Yeah. Now on our, on one of our book trailers, that's really nicely done. And we've noticed the spike in sales whenever we do that kind of cross promo. So uh, what about uh, Amazon, uh, not Amazon, uh, Facebook? I, you know, I see a lot of people starting to take out Facebook ads. Have you guys had any po uh, positive return on those at all? Um, well, the Facebook ads that he's talking about are where you purchase ads and off of Facebook and then you target it to an audience and for a dollar a click or 60 seconds, you know, whatever you set your budget for. I have never, ever seen, please save your money, folks. Uh, sorry, uh, Facebook, but uh, that's a, not good. Um, what I tend to do and what Facebook doesn't want you to do because they would rather have the, the coin and have, have you pay them for your ad not going anywhere is um, I go, I joined a lot of, there's a ton of, of reading groups on Facebook and book promotion groups on Facebook where you can go and you can, just you know, ten a day. I go and I post in, you know, Kindle Unlimited lovers or um, audiobook listener lovers or, you know, whatever or genre. There's specific genres I write in the the werewolf shifter romance area sometimes, and I there's very specific genre groups you can go in, and they 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 eat it up. They're like, oh, we want it. You know, you get a million likes, and then they go and they buy your book. That it's a little bit more laborious, but it actually pans out better. Uh, in terms of uh, return on investment. And it's free. You can do it yourself or you can hire uh, a virtual PA to do it for you. Okay. Well, we're, we're getting close to the end here. So uh, I'm going to start wrapping it up. Uh, people want to get in touch with you. How should they do that? www.chamberlainroseproductions.com. Um, we're also chamberlainroseprods at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook account, Chamberlain Rose Productions on Facebook. And of and course, look for you on ACX. Yes, and at, at ACX right now, they won't do dual narrator pages. So you have to look at Marie Rose's page or Chris Chamberlain's page. Oh, got and it. Our dual samples up there too. Okay, and if people want to see or listen to samples or are there, is there a place that they can go? Is, are, can you give me some links? Absolutely. We'll shoot you some links um, to, to post with the podcast. Okay, I'll do that. And uh, Chris, go ahead. On uh, ACX. Oh, I missed that. Uh, the easiest way to find our samples on, uh, on the internet right now is just to go to acx.com and look up our names. Oh, okay. Perfect. All right. And uh, anything that you guys want to talk about that I didn't uh, bring up? I think we covered a, a whole lot of ground. Yeah. And your voice we're, is we're definitely sounding better. Yeah. We're, we're excited about the future of audiobooks. Um, you know, from, from 2014 to now, uh, we've seen uh, double-digit growth in the audiobook market. Every so, year, yeah. Um, I don't think the, the uh, people that are commuting in the world cities are unfortunately going to have an easier time. Uh, it's, um, it's become evident to us uh, here in Texas that um, traffic can be as bad here as, as, in, Los, as in Los <laughs> Angeles. So. Um, that might be a reason to tune off the news and listen to a good audiobook. Maybe a story by C. Stephen Ellis. I couldn't have said it better myself.
Coming Thank you soon. guys very, very much. Thanks, Thank C. Thank you. Have a good day.